Hey there, future friends. This week we stop to smell the roses, we play pretend, and we believe we can fly. It's the week of December 6th, 2019, and this is episode 158 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show we do have quite a few films this week more than i thought but you know what we're still gonna try to keep the runtime at about an hour because that's what we like to do here do you remember back when the show used to be 30 minutes even though it's longer now i i like to think that the quality also went up well anyway let me tell you what this show is about just in case you're new and if you're new welcome to the show there is never a bad time to start listening okay well i am sick it just hasn't hit my voice this hasn't been a coughing sickness it it just feels like someone has stuffed my head full of cotton and then like weights are hanging around my neck like all day that's what i felt like but I'm trying to power through because I don't want to go another week without having a show just because I know I'm not going to have a show the week of Christmas. There will actually be a two-week hiatus coming up just because we'll have the week of Christmas, then we'll have the week of New Year's. And I think all of you, my my future friends, my future family, I, I think you would do understand because it is because of you that this show is still going. So, in case you're new, let me tell you about the show. You are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. I am Billiam, and I am your host. On this show, we talk about quite a few things. We always start with some intro that, when I'm not feeling sick, usually is a bit longer. Maybe interesting? I don't know. It could be like the musical guests on Saturday Night Live, where usually you skip through it. I think the last episode of SNL, hosted by Will Ferrell, had King Princess or something like that, and they were just awful. No. No, no, no. Even Coldplay, and I'm and I'm part white, so I do like Coldplay. It's in my it's in my genes. Even I found them boring, and I like Coldplay. Anyway, on this show we do quite a few things. We start, like I said, with an intro, then we jump into the news that is any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode, and then we jump into the trailer trove which is any new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. In both of these instances, I am not perfect. I miss things. I have a day job. I have a life. So I do let things slip through the cracks. So if I do miss something that you think I should have talked about, please let me know. After that, we go into the movies that is every new film hitting theaters this week, even hitting Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Again, even with that, I miss stuff, but I'd like to think if I miss a film in when, when I'm talking about the new movies, it's probably so small that maybe none of you have ever heard of it. But I do try my best to talk about every film, and I break them down into two categories. The first is the limited release section. That is any movie that's getting a limited release that also did not catch my eye or do anything to tell me why I should see it. In that section, I talk about what the title of the movie is what the movie's about and who's in it, but that's it. Maybe I'll say a word or two about it. But the important thing to remember about both of these sections, this section and the next section, is that just because it's in the limited or the wide releases doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good or bad because I realize we all have different tastes and I realize that I am basing all of my judgments only on the trailers because I get no inside information. So after that, we go into the wide releases and interesting indies, which is just like it sounds, every wide release, no matter how crappy it looks, and every indie movie that did catch my eye. In that section, we tell you what the movie is called, what it's about, who's in it, and I give my thoughts on it. And then I wrap it all up with the Billiams Interest Level Score, a.k.a. the Bill Score. The Bill Score goes anywhere for a zero for those films that just make me lose my mind because I'm either so angry or bored about it. To an 11 for those films that make me lose my mind because I'm so excited for them. And then we wrap it all up with a question of the week, and I send you along your merry way to listen to the other great shows in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network and the friends of the shows whose 
ads you will hear throughout the episode. Do you, my dear listener, maybe have a podcast? Hit me up. We can chit-chat. Maybe we can uh, trade some promos, you know? Because you know what? The Watch Your Mouth podcast plays my ad, and I know for a fact that some of their listeners came over to my show. I I don't know how many have stayed, but I know quite a few at least gave it a shot, and I thank you for at least trying. That's all I could ask. And I hope at least a few of my listeners went over there. And I hope I've helped all of the somewhat nerdy podcasts. And I hope I helped We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. And I hope they helped me. You know the odd thing about about podcasts and YouTube videos and stuff like that is that sometimes you feel like you get to know the person. Because before I ever met any of my somewhat nerdy brothers, before I ever met my friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast, I felt like I knew them. So it was weird when we met for the first time and it felt like less of a first time meeting, more of a, hey friend, I haven't seen you in a while. As like Facebook keeps on recommending Robbie from We're Doing Fine as a friend and I'll go, oh yeah, why don't I have him as a friend? Oh, because we don't actually know each other? Really? Though it is now a life goal of mine to go to Edinburgh to sing karaoke with that man. But enough about that. Let's talk about this show, and let's talk about what we're doing next, and we start with our first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. This first story, my friends, comes to us from NME, the Name for the Ghostbusters 2020 reboot now gives us the title. Next year's film will be called Ghostbusters Afterlife. This article from NME goes on to talk about how they got most of the original cast. They don't say anything, though, about Rick Moranis, which does make me sad, but, you know, I get it. Rick Moranis did leave Hollywood for a number of years to raise his child after his wife died, so maybe, I don't know, maybe he just wasn't up to it. Also added to the cast, we know that Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things is part of it, and I just hope that in this movie he's not as supremely punchable as he is in Stranger Things Season 3. Like, if someone had just punched that kid in the face, that person, whoever it was, would have become my favorite character. And also McKenna Grace and the wonderful Paul Rudd is also part of this cast. Filming wrapped this past November, and of course we will see more about this film next year. We have Frozen news, one story from Elite Daily, one story from Time. The story from Time reported that Frozen 2 had shattered holiday box office records with a $127 million domestic debut. The biggest debut ever for a uh, for an animated film. The story from Elite Daily says that the creators of Frozen and Frozen 2 say that there will not be a third Frozen, even though supposedly the second movie hints at a possible future for the series. That aside, the creators point to one line near the end of the film, which I won't spoil, which was their way of saying no more. And you know what? I'm impressed. They had Frozen, which was a huge success. They had Frozen 2, which broke records. They could have easily made a third and just raked in the cash, but instead they're like, nah, let's not. In a story from IndieWire, Justice League composer Danny Elfman is baffled by these talks about the Snyder Cut of Justice League because he said, He never finished it. Even though actor Jason Momoa claims to have seen the Snyder Cut, Danny Elfman says what he believes Jason Momoa saw was an unfinished cut of the film, that while it may be better, supposedly, than the Joss Whedon finished version, he says that it is not a releasable version of the film. But of course, I still think we're going to be talking about the Snyder Cut of Justice League for a while. If y'all haven't heard, this story comes to us from IndieWire and, you know, a million other places because it was such big news. The One of the writers behind Harriet, the Harriet Tubman biopic, claims that a studio head, an unnamed studio head, pitched Julia Roberts to star in the film about a former slave turned abolitionist and slave rescuing hero saying, quote, no one will know the difference. And you know what? I believe this. I believe this story. But I also think that had they tried to go forward with this, I would like to think that Julia Roberts would have said no, that she'd go, hey, you know what? I'm not sure if you all noticed, but I am not black. And I'm not sure if you went to school or not, but Harriet Tubman was black. I just hope Roberts herself isn't coming under any fire for this just because it's not like she tried to do it. It's not like she said, yes, I will play this black hero. I'll just tan a little bit. 
Well, my friends, let's talk about something a little less controversial. Let's talk about a sequel to Joker. So I've read so many articles about this, and I still don't know what the truth is, because there are a lot of sources that say there is a Joker sequel in the works, a follow-up to the $1 billion movie, and that... Todd Phillips is working on origin stories for other DC villains like Lex Luthor, but there are other stories saying that there is 100% no sequel in the works, that Todd Phillips never wanted a sequel, that Joaquin Phoenix went into this knowing there was never going to be a sequel and he was okay with it. So unless it has been without a doubt settled and I just haven't noticed the story yet, it is still up in the air. I personally believe that there is no sequel. I believe that Todd Phillips had a goal. I think he completed that goal really well. And I think he's going to walk away and keep this movie the way it is as this shining beacon of what can happen with a DC property when, what is it again, Warner Brothers just doesn't have their hands all up in it well my friends let's move from DC to Star Trek this story from Variety Noah Hawley is set to write and direct the next Star Trek movie. Plot details are so far being kept under wraps, but it is believed that Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Carl Urban, and Zoe Saldana will return to the USS Enterprise. No word yet on Simon Pegg, but hopefully that this hopefully this article just forgot about him and he is returning too. But there are quite a few questions now. Now that we have a script already done by Quentin Tarantino, is Paramount going to 100% forget that, go, no, you know what, forget you, Quentin Tarantino, we're going to do 100% our own thing, or will Noah, whatever his name is, Noah Hawley, work with Quentin Tarantino's script? So far, I believe that uh, Noah Hawley is going to write his own movie, but the last project this dude worked on was Lucy in the Sky, Uh, It was that sci-fi movie with um, Natalie Portman and John Hamm. And he did revisions to the script, uh, a script that was already done. So since we know he is the kind of director that doesn't have to write his own stuff, that he will take something and just revise it, there is a little bit of hope that we will see whatever it is that Quentin Tarantino wrote, but I am not going to hold my breath. In this story from The Wrap, we now know that a new Planet of the Apes film is in the works at Disney, as Planet of the Apes was one of the properties that Disney acquired from Fox. Director Wes Ball, the director of The Maze Runner, is set to direct and develop the new film, and it is still not clear whether this will be a continuation of the trilogy that ended with the woefully pathetic War for the Planet of the Apes in 2017, or if it will be its own thing. Hopefully it's its own thing. Let Caesar die, okay? Let him rest in peace. And ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the news. Once again, if I miss anything, please let me know, and I will talk about it in the next episode. But for now, let us take our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. And now, my future friends, it is time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. Alright everyone, let's talk about the new trailer that hit, the big one we have to talk about, and that is the trailer for Black Widow. And all I have to say is, by God in heaven, they put Black Widow in something, and I want to see it because of her. Because I think that what this film showed is that they did have an interesting character, but putting her in these situations with world-ending consequences just wasn't the right pick. Thousands and thousands of, of, of aliens are coming through this portal to destroy New York? Yeah, let's send in the spy. That's a good idea. But this movie now, the movie we're seeing for Black Widow, which supposedly 
takes place before Endgame, unless they give some really, really good explanation how it takes place after. But this movie is more like a Bond movie on steroids, which is exactly what I expect from a Marvel movie focused around Black Widow. Scarlett Johansson still looks as dead in the soul as a robot, which really pisses me off, and you'll learn why later in the episode. Verbal clickbait, people. You gotta keep listening if you want to know why. I'm sorry for that. But anyway, I am excited for this film. This trailer shows us a lot of great stuff, including Scarlett Johansson meeting her sister, or re-meeting her sister, and David Harbour as Red Guardian. William Hurt is returning to the MCU as Thaddeus Ross. And this is the kind of stuff they should have been doing with Black Widow from the beginning. You know what? I love Hawkeye, too. I love Hawkeye, but a lot of the shit they're putting him in was the wrong situation. This is the kind of stuff Hawkeye has to do, too. Fighting Thanos? Who should we get? Black Widow and Hawkeye? Sure, they can shoot him. So I'm glad with this film that director Kate Shortland and writers, uh, let's see, Ned Benson and Jack Schaefer, I think, they knew what to do. They knew that... Black Widow could be badass, but had to do it in the right situation. Black Widow, of course, was much better in the later Marvel films because she was more of an administrative role then. And sure, she couldn't exactly have opted out of the final battle going, you know, no, you know what, guys, you you do that. I'm going to stay here. So that I get. But they always felt like silly choices to me when they're doing shit like going into space. So now we have Black Widow in a film that looks really entertaining. And I actually, now I cannot wait for this film to come out on May 1st. Oh, and I do see here, there is an actual timeline. It takes place between Civil War and Infinity War. Next up, folks, we have to talk about the next big trailer. I guess this one's more of a teaser trailer that came out, and it was the trailer for No Time to Die. And this, of course, is the next Bond film expected to come out April 8th, 2020. Of course, starring Daniel Craig, also has Rami Malek as the bad guy, uh, Leah Seydoux, Ana de Armas, Ralph Fiennes, Christoph Waltz, Naomi Harris, Billy Magnuson, Jeffrey Wright, Ben Wishaw. Just, just a huge cast of people. And I am so underwhelmed by this teaser. So you may remember that when the poster came out, people were upset. People were upset by the poster. And while that does sound like something something stupid to be upset about, because it's not like they were upset because it was offensive or anything, or there's some there, there is some modern reason to be upset about it based on our new moral standards, but they, they just hated it because it was dumb, I guess. And I could see what they were talking about, but now couple that with this teaser trailer and this movie looks so underwhelming that unless they put out a better trailer before April 8th, I will skip this movie. I have not skipped a Bond movie in the theaters since The World Is Not Enough came out in 2000. No, 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 in 1999 for that film. Because Bond films are reliable. If you if you have liked any of them, you probably know what I'm talking about, that they're just a reliable action film. If this one keeps going the way it's been going, then I'm going to 100% skip it. I was so disappointed by the first look at Remy Malik, just him in some clown makeup, and that's it? Really? I mean, I get it. Don't blow your whole load on the first teaser trailer, but at least give us a little more of the most exciting part of this movie is Remy Malik's bad guy. And one reason it's so interesting that he's in it is that one of his reasons for doing the film was that he got them to agree that the bad guy would not just be some Middle Eastern terrorist. That there's going to be more to this character than that. And I love that. But this teaser trailer look, looks so boring and so disheveled that uh, right now I am not having any hopes that it's going to be a good film. All right, future fans, this part r right now was recorded after I had already recorded the first half of the show. And I'm adding this in because the actual full trailer for No Time to Die, the next James Bond movie, has come out. And it's so different that I feel like I had to say something now instead of waiting for the next episode because this new full trailer actually looks good. So I don't know who put together the teaser trailer, but it looked horrible. But now this, this full trailer looks a lot better. And, and I am now excited for this. Now I do want to see this film. 
We actually see Remy Malik now outside of that stupid clown makeup in the teaser trailer. And I think it looks like he's going to be a good Bond villain. Will he be as good as Javier Bardem was? No, Javier Bardem is still one of my favorite Bond villains of all time. Skyfall is my favorite Bond movie, which is weird because Daniel Craig isn't my favorite Bond, but I think Skyfall is a is a great movie through and through. I was thinking about lying and saying that my favorite Bond was Sean Connery, but I grew up with the 90s James Bond, the early 2000s James Bonds, the Pierce Brosnan James Bonds, the James Bonds that went over the top that went a little ridiculous. Yes, there are a lot of people who look at those Bonds as ridiculous, but I love it and I thought he was a fantastic Bond. That being said, I think Skyfall is a better movie than any of the other ones. This one, though, looks like it'll fall in the middle. I I think it will be a good movie. I don't think it'll be outstanding. I don't think it'll be bad. But this trailer has now renewed my interest in this. So now we go back to the pre-recorded segment. All right, my future friends, we have another trailer for Ip Man 4, which is actually just seems like a recut trailer number one. I'm not going to say more about it just because it it looks good. If you've seen the other Ip Man movies, watch this. I I think the last actually good one was two, three was fun. I think this one's going to be just like three. It's going to be fun. It's not going to be as good as one and two, but still enjoyable for fans. This movie comes out December 25th this year. All right, folks, we have another new trailer for Weathering With You. This is the animated movie from writer-director Makoto Shinkai, who brought us such great movies as Your Name. This is the new mega-hit to sweep Japan, and now it looks like it's going to sweep the world as well. And it looks like a movie that's going to make me ugly cry. This is about a young high school boy who runs away to Tokyo and manages to get a job working for a website or as a news reporter or something. And his first story is looking into this this rumor that there's a girl out there who can control the weather because Tokyo has been experiencing three months of continuous rain and supposedly sunshine goes wherever she goes. So he's supposed to look into this and someone's going to die and I'm going to cry. That, that, that's how that one goes, my friends. All right, next up, we have a film called The Last Full Measure. This comes out January 24th next year, and it stars people like Sebastian Stan, Samuel L. Jackson, Christopher Plummer, Ed Harris, Bradley Whitford, uh, let's see, Michael Imperioli, William Hurt, Linus Roach, and Peter Fonda. And this is a based on a true story. 34 years after his death, Airman William H. Pitsenbarger Jr., also known as Pitts, is up for the nation's highest military honor for his actions on the battlefield. But there's a little more to it than that. These actions he took saved a lot of lives during Vietnam, but there's a dark secret that that people are desperately trying to keep hidden, and those secrets are part of what's preventing this fallen soldier from getting his award. So we have a war movie coming out that's not about World War I or World War II, and it's about a true story that if if that part of it is true, then it's about also a government cover-up. But let's ignore that whole part. Let's just look at the fact that this looks like a good film. This looks like a, a kind of like a mixture of movies like, um, let's see, Full Metal Jacket, Apocalypse Now, We Were Soldiers, movies like that and also mixed with Courage Under Fire. This looks good. It has Sebastian Stan in it, who I think needs, well, will come into his own a bit more now because he was he, he was kind of famous before he joined Marvel. He was on shows like Gossip Girl and Political Animals and Once Upon a Time, but then he came to national fame with the Marvel movies, and now I think we're going to get to see more of what he can do. Of course, he's always been acting. He's been acting since... Okay, I say always, but he's been acting since 1994. But now that he's a name people know, he can do he can do other movies, non-Marvel movies, and people will go, oh, it's the guy who played the Winter Soldier. I liked him. Let's watch this. He's actually really good. So look forward to that film. What did I say? January 24th. And my future friends, that is all I noticed for the trailer trove. Once again, if I missed something that you thought I should have talked about, let me know. But for now, let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. Please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and 
more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read the comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. And we're back. We're back with the limited release section, so let's just jump into it with a movie called The Disappearance of My Mother. A once iconic fashion model strives to escape the world of images and disappear for good, but her son's determination to make a final film about her sparks an unexpected collaboration and confrontation with the camera's gaze. This is a documentary, and it looks so disheveled and meaningless that, no, I'm going to skip it. Instead, let's talk about a movie called I See You. Strange occurrences plague a small-town detective and his family as he investigates the disappearance of a young boy. This stars Helen Hunt from Twister, John Tenney from The Closer, Judah Lewis from The Babysitter, Owen Teague from It Chapters 1 and 2, and Lib Barber from Sneaky Pete. And no... No, no, no. It just kind of felt like the trailer didn't know what kind of movie it was, so it felt like one part thriller, one part horror, but not in the way you'd expect. All right, my future friends, let us move on to a film called Daniel Isn't Real. Luke, a troubled college freshman, suffers a violent family trauma and resurrects his childhood imaginary friend Daniel to help him cope. Because when an adult brings back their imaginary friend, you know things are going to end well. This stars Patrick Schwarzenegger from Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, Miles Robbins from Halloween, the 2018 version, Sasha Lane from American Honey, Mary Stuart Masterson from Fried Green Tomatoes, Hannah Marks from Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and Peter McRobbie from Lincoln. I'll be honest, this almost made it into the wide releases section, just... It just fell a little short. Next up, we have a film called Knives and Skin, a mystical teen noir that follows a young girl's disappearance in the rural Midwest and its effects on teens and parents. This stars no one of note. So this this movie tries to sell itself as some sort of wacky indie movie. Think think that movie Greener Grass I, I talked about a couple weeks ago about that weird movie where this kid goes into a pool, comes out a dog, no one blinks an eye about it. Uh, some woman gives her baby to her friend and then wants a baby back, but the friend doesn't want to give the baby back. And, and it's super weird. Except where Greener Grass looks like it could have been funny, this movie looks like it's just too try-hard and skippable. Next up, we have a film called A Million Little Pieces. A young aspiring writer at the bottom of his addiction is interned in a facility to face his traumatic past. This stars Aaron Taylor Johnson from Kick-Ass, Billy Bob Thornton from Sling Blade, Giovanni Ribisi from Sneaky Pete, Juliette Lewis from Cape Fear, and Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy. Despite this actually pretty good cast, this movie looks like a mess, and there never ever should have been a movie made about a million little pieces in the first place. I personally liked the book. I read it once. I will never read it again. It does not deserve a reread. I don't believe that the the scandal around, around it was worth the attention Oprah gave it, but it's Oprah, so she makes big deals out of everything. But still, no. This never needed to be a trailer. Uh, trailer. <laughs> this never needed to be a movie. Next up, we have a film called Trauma Center. Alone and trapped in a locked-down hospital isolation ward overnight, an injured young woman must escape a pair of vicious killers who are after the only piece of evidence that can implicate them in a grisly murder. The bullet in her leg. Luckily, a veteran cop is assigned to protect her. This stars Bruce Willis from Moonlighting, Steve Gutenberg from Police Academy, Texas Battle from Final Destination 3, and MMA fighter Tito Ortiz. You know a movie's gonna be bad when an MMA fighter or a WWE superstar are in it, and that's one of the main selling points. That's just a rule for movies. I don't care if Becky Lynch was in the Marine 6 or whatever. It's still gonna suck. And finally, in the limited section, we have a movie called Embrazos de un Asesino. Victor is one of the world's most handsome men, but he has a deep secret. He's a cold-blooded assassin. Oh, no. He was raised to be a smooth-talking, seductive killer. This stars William Levy from Resident Evil, the final chapter. All right, folks, to be honest, uh, two of the movies in the wide release is an interesting indie section. I, I almost put 
in the limited section, so I'm going to talk about those first in the next segment, just because I'm still kind of on the fence. I don't know. But for now, let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast, so please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMPodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, we are back. We are back with a film called Midnight Family. We talked about this movie two weeks ago, I believe, but it's getting a wider release this week, so I won't talk long about it. This is a documentary that takes place in Mexico City's wealthiest neighborhoods. The Ochoa family runs a private ambulance competing with other for-profit EMTs for patients in need of urgent help. I gave this documentary a 6 out of 11 because it does kind of look interesting, and it's a very, very interesting idea that Mexico has, at least Mexico City, has these for-profit ambulance run by regular people. I mean, America has for-profit ambulance too. I think everywhere does in America. That's why they're called debt taxis. But anyway, this documentary does look interesting. Okay, let's talk about the two movies that almost made it into the limited section that I'm still not sure about. The first one is called The Kindness of Strangers, which may not even be coming out this week because I cannot find a definite release date. But one site I use says it's coming out this week, so we'll just go with it. This is the story of people whose lives intertwine during a dramatic winter in New York City. This stars Andrea Riceboro from Oblivion, Bill Nye from Love Actually, Jay Burchell from This Is The End, Zoe Kazan from The Big Sick, and Caleb Landry Jones from Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And finally, a role for Caleb Landry Jones where he is not a creepy motherfucker. Anyway, it's interesting that Bill Nye's in this because this just feels like a depressing love actually where we have all of these different stories taking place in the same city that are all intertwined somehow, but it's not all feel good and about love. No, this is about sad shit like homelessness and people being depressed and alone. So if you like yourself some sad shit, this is right up your alley. The Kindness of Strangers gets a 5.5 out of 11. And next up is the final film that almost made it in the limited section, and that's a documentary called Most Likely to Succeed. In 2007, four teenagers from disparate backgrounds are voted most likely to succeed during their senior year of high school. Filmed over a 10-year period, we watch as they each chart their own version of success and navigate the unpredictability of American life in the 21st century. So this is an interesting idea, because I've always wondered what happened to some of the people in high school that I'm, I wasn't enough friends with to actually add on Facebook. Like, I know one guy I went to high school with is pretty rich now, and he owns a, a real estate business. One of my close friends from my childhood is actually a teacher up at UC Berkeley now. Another friend actually makes money from podcasting, and he lives in New York. Good for him. That asshole. <laughs> Me? I'm not jealous? No. But back to most likely to succeed. I, I think that it's... It just looks okay. It could be really interesting or it could be very contrived. I'm not sure which one it is. It follows four students, a, wh- a white man, a white woman, a black man, and a black woman. And I know it's kind of a petty thing to pick to pick apart, but I would have liked to see a little more diversity, not because it's like, oh, we should be more diverse. This is the 21st century. But because I think it would have been more interesting to see a Mexican and an Asian of some sort. A Mexican, because Mexicans are the biggest minority in the United States, and an Asian, because especially if they picked one of those Asians who came from one of those families that are super about school, and you will become a doctor and all that Obviously, you can tell I did not come from one of those families. If I wasn't at least a decent human being, I would have been a huge disappointment. 
But I hope you can see where I'm coming from with with that more diversity actually would have made it more interesting. And I think they could have done it without it feeling contrived, like they're purposely doing it for the diversity. Though I'm not saying it's not going to be interesting with two white people and two black people. It could still be very interesting, but the possibility for a wider variety of interesting, I think, was missed. But the reason this almost made it into the limited section wasn't actually due to any of the ethnicities of the people. It's, it's just that it doesn't look, it didn't present itself as that well done of a documentary. What really put it in the wide releases section was the idea, which I think is very interesting. Most likely to succeed gets a 5.5 out of 11. All right, folks, next up, we have a film called The Wolf Hour. June was once a well-known counterculture figure, but that was a decade ago. She now lives alone in her South Bronx apartment, having all but cut herself off from the outside world. It's the summer of Sam, and June has to only look outside of her window to see the violence escalating with the brutal summer heat. The city is on a knife's edge, a pressure cooker about to explode into the incendiary 1977 New York blackout riots. This stars Naomi Watts from St. Vincent, Kelvin Harrison Jr. from It Comes at Night, Brennan Brown from The Man in High Castle, Jennifer L. from Zero Dark Thirty, Emery Cohen from The OA, or OA, whatever it is, and Jeremy Bob from the from Russian Doll. Not The Russian Doll, just Russian Doll. Anyway, this does look interesting and has a couple of things going for it. It's a movie that takes place during the, the Summer of Sam, but is not really about the Summer of Sam. We also have this this kind of familiar idea about this this person who's homebound due to her her own want. She's she seems like she just wants to stay away from people, just stays indoors all the time. And somehow she has attracted attention. So we kind of have this feeling of of claustrophobia almost just because we have her in the house or the apartment and this apartment is in the middle of the Bronx which is going through this really tough time, an unprecedented heat wave, a serial killer on the loose. So I think this movie does have a lot of promise. It could be very interesting. It could be worth a watch. But the only thing I know for sure is that the Wolf Hour gets a six out of 11. Next up, folks, we have a movie called Portrait of a Lady on Fire. On an isolated island in Brittany, at the end of the 18th century, a female painter has been asked to paint a portrait of a young woman in the hopes that a good portrait will get a potential suitor to marry her. The problem is the painter has to paint the portrait without the woman finding out. This stars Valera Golino from Rain Man. Uh, it's a French film, so all of the big stars we haven't heard of here. But this does look very interesting. Uh, we, we have this this woman who's hired to paint a portrait, but the subject of the painting cannot find out because then she'll sabotage it somehow. So this this girl's family tells her that this woman is following her around because she's been hired to basically go on walks with her, to be a friend to her, which I don't know how that's any better. Maybe it's because they live on a secluded island, so maybe that makes it okay and not weird. But there's an issue as the young woman or as a painter is painting the portrait of this young woman, they fall in love. And this takes place at the end of the 18th century. So you can imagine that maybe it's not the best time to be a lesbian. So this does look like a, a good film. It looks like it's well thought out. It looks like it's well acted. It looks like it's just well shot. It looks beautiful at times. And it looks like a very unique story. But of course, with this being a French film, good luck finding it. Portrait of a Lady on Fire gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called Marriage Story. Noah Baumbach's incisive and compassionate look at marriage, breaking up, and a family staying together. This stars Scarlett Johansson from Lost in Translation, Adam Driver from Logan Lucky, Laura Dern from Jurassic Park, Ray Liotta from Goodfellas, Merritt Weaver from Nurse Jackie, Wallace Shawn from The Princess Bride, Julie Haggerty from Airplane, Alan Alda from MASH, and Robert Smigel of SNL fame. Some of you may remember when this trailer came out, I was shocked because Scarlett Johansson looks amazing in this. She looks really good. And you may know one of my biggest criticisms of her is that she is just basically an older Jennifer Lawrence who has little to no emotion in any role she does. 
So I mentioned earlier that I was angry about something to do with Scarlett Johansson. Here's why. Because she is a good, capable actress, but she is in movies that want the same thing out of her. They want a bland and uninteresting female lead who might as well just be an empty cereal box for all the personality she has. Though she goes and does a movie like this, or even look back to Avengers Endgame with some of the more emotional scenes she was in, she could do that the whole f***ing time? Really? So someone is to blame. It's either the director's who just wanted this blank slate of a human being, or it's either her because maybe she just never gave a good performance. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt here. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt, saying that she could have done this the entire time, but it's just that the the roles, that the the emotions and everything that were asked of her were basically just flatlined. So what we know now is that the entire time we could have had an interesting and emotive Black Widow. Okay, I know Black Widow isn't the most interesting character in the MCU. She's not exactly known for her colorfulness, but come on, you could have given us a little more? Really? So this film does look good. It also looks like it's going to be devastating. We have this married couple who are divorcing, and it's not because, like, like one of them cheated. There's no abuse. It doesn't seem like there's anything, some huge bad thing. From what I can tell from the trailer, at least, it just feels like they've fallen out of love. Or that they have some issues that the amount of love they have just can't overcome. And that's heartbreaking, because you can see it in some of the scenes that they are getting along that there was love there. There was something there and it's now gone. And I think that's even sadder than a movie where a couple breaks up because of some bad act or something like that. I think this is scarier too, showing that yes, there you can still do nothing wrong and something so wonderful can end. I do think there's going to be some promise in the movie. I, I do think I do think it's not going to be 100% devastating. I think that just like the premise says about a family staying together, that even though they're divorcing, they're going to go, hey, look, but we're, we're still a family. You know, we're, we're I'm still your dad. She's still your mom. We can make it work. So if you want to watch a movie that may or may not make you ugly cry, this is it. This is also a movie that you should 100% wait for for streaming or even just to own one day because I don't think this is going to be worth it in theaters. In fact, maybe this is a week that you watch something else. Just entirely. But you'll see when we get to the pick of the week. Marriage Story gets an 8.5 out of 11. Alright, let's move on to the next film we have to talk about, which is called Little Joe. Alice, a single mother, is a dedicated senior plant breeder at a corporation engaged in developing new species. Against company policy, she takes one home as a gift for her teenage son, Joe. But what she doesn't know is that it's more than a pretty flower. This stars Emily Beecham from Hail Caesar and Ben Wishoff from Mary Poppins Returns. You know, you may have seen a poster for this. You may have seen a trailer for this because it's oddly out there. You know, I- I've been seeing more ads for this than I have for the two biggest movies this week. And it could just be my internet habits. It could. It it could be 100% that, that the algorithm or whatever it is that shows us ads out there just goes, hey, maybe he'll like this one instead of these other two bigger movies. I don't know what it is, but I have just been more aware of this film from ads. But you know what? You may have seen something too. The the poster and a lot of the scenes that are being shown is generally of Emily Beecham and Ben Wishaw in their lab coats around a bunch of red flowers in some super sterile environment because they work at this company where these flowers are being grown. They're supposed to make people happy because that's always a good thing, right? Instead of having a flower that just naturally makes you happy because flowers are pretty and smell good, this one has been genetically engineered to make you happy. Because look, I know a lot of people make a big deal about GMOs. And here's the thing, not all of them are bad. You know, it's it's not as black and white as people say. And I understand it. I work at a natural food store and a lot of our customers just go, oh, a GMO, get that away from me. I will die if I even look at it. <laughs> so I've been working the holiday desk, helping people take holiday, uh, holiday orders. I'm basically sitting at a desk 
helping people who are either too lazy or stupid or just can't, maybe they don't have the internet, I'm helping them place the orders. So this woman comes up and she's asking us about what kind of turkeys we had for Thanksgiving or, you know, this is before Thanksgiving, so what kind of turkeys we're going to have. And I go over the various types and she says, well, I only take organic because children will be eating this. And she, like, seems really angry about it, that I would dare suggest anything other than a 100% organic thing for children. Because you're right, old lady. My father and his father before him, his father before him, his father before him, all ate 100% organic, non-GMO, no pesticides bullshit. So why did I bring up that story? Did I bring it up just to vent? Okay, yes. Honestly, yes. But I also brought it up because it because in Little Joe, we have these... These flowers are being genetically engineered to change a mood. And guess what? It's not all that it seems. Maybe it's a little more dangerous than that. Maybe it's not actually genetic engineering. Maybe it's just some, actually some flower that was found in some remote cave somewhere that's uh, really dangerous. We we don't know yet, but all we know is that this mother takes home this, uh, this flower for her son. Because if you have a son, what better gift to give them than a flower? And what's that? This mood-altering plant isn't good for your kid? Weird. But I'm gonna be honest, I don't think this movie is meant to be some movie soapboxing against science meddling with nature. No, I think this is just supposed to be a slightly quirky thriller, maybe? And thriller may be a strong word. Just because the trailer didn't show it getting too tense, just... Something just weird is going on, and this woman has to find out what, because it's affecting her son. This movie does look interesting, but it also looks, you know what, I'm gonna say it, like I always do, skippable. A movie like this, a movie like Marriage Story, even though I want to see it, a movie like the next one, like so many I talk about, may not look bad, but do you really have to see it? Every year, movies come out that by the end of the year, uh, AMC, AFI, some other movie groups put together a list going, oh, if you love movies, you have to see these. And if you don't see them, you hate movies. And those lists are always made up of movies that you know are going to be on that list before it's even released, kind of like uh, The Irishman and Jojo Rabbit. And then also movies that didn't have a lot of buzz beforehand, but after it came out, got a lot of buzz. Think more Moonlight and La La Land. I don't think this movie is going to be on any of those lists. The only list this may be on is some nonsense BuzzFeed list about, hey, how many Ben Wishaw movies have you seen? That being said, if you do see this, if you do, do go to the theater to see this, I don't think you'd be wasting your time. I think this, I think this is going to be an enjoyable film. I think it's going to be a little weird, but if you just watch a trailer, that alone will tell you if it's the kind of movie for you. If the quirkiness and the style of the trailer does not serve as a red flag, then I think you can safely put this on your to-be-watched list. Should you make time to see this in theaters? No, not really. But of course, I don't think that any of the films from this week really deserve that. Spoiler warning, I guess, really? But let's wrap this up with Little Joe gets a 7.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called The Banker, which we have actually talked about a few times on this show. This is the story of one of the first African-American bankers in the United States. But that IMDb synopsis is so very lacking. We'll talk about that more after the cast. This stars Samuel L. Jackson from The Long Kiss Goodnight, Anthony Mackie from Avengers Endgame, Nicholas Holt from Mad Max Fury Road, Nia Long from Big Mama's House, Colum Meany from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and Jesse T. Usher from The Boys. That's right, A-Train is in this. A-Train. So if you remember me talking about this film when the trailer first came out, you will remember that there's a lot more to the premise than what IMDb gives us. This movie takes place way back when, actually, unfortunately, not that long ago, but back when it was almost unheard of for a person of color to get a bank loan. So this film is about this guy, played by Anthony Mackie, who has the idea to start buying up banks but instead of him going into this bank saying, hey, I want to buy you, instead, they send a white person to pose as him, realizing that whites would, you know, more likely sell to another white than him. 
So he ends up buying up all this stuff and he starts this bank that will give loans to people of color, that will help out people of color. And guess what? There are some people who don't take too kindly to that, so he gets sued. So it seems like half of this movie is about how they get amass this bank, and then the other half is them defending themselves, going, oh, hey, we were just trying to make it fair for people of color because y'all make it unfair, and then trying to defend themselves against the rules they may or may not have broken. And the only reason I say may or may not is because I am not too familiar with this case. I, I actually don't know how it turns out. I know that he does go down in history as one of the first african-american bankers in the united states but just because he goes down in history as that doesn't mean that the court case turns out well but you know what friends it's time we talk about the downside of this who here who here remembers the blaring downside to this film if you raise your hand and you do remember then you may be saying along with me that it's an apple tv plus original movie so if you want to see this and you'd you don't want to actually buy the movie, then you have to be one of those people who have signed up for one of the most pointless streaming services. It would make more sense to me if the original content Apple TV Plus was putting out was was actually targeted towards dirty hipsters. I would get that. I would go, okay, hey, these dirty hipsters need something to do. Why not turn to Apple like they already do? But you know what? If Apple TV keeps on putting out content that looks as interesting as this does, then you know what? Maybe one day I'll consider it. Consider it. But for now, I'm going to 100% skip anything that comes out on that service unless one of my friends out there has a subscription and wants to give me the information. But until then, I'm just going to wait. The Banker gets an 8 out of 11. All right, folks, two films left in this lackluster week so let's just talk about the next film which is called playmobile the movie this is an animated feature film inspired by the playmobile brand of toys this features the voices of anya taylor joy jim gaffigan daniel radcliffe megan trainer adam lambert and keenan thompson you know there's this famous rumor and i say rumor just because i'm not sure if Robin Williams was actually credited in saying this or not, but supposedly he said he regrets doing Aladdin just because him doing that seemed to open the door for big celebrities, big time actors to do animated movies. And while I don't know why, what his reasonings for this would be, the reasons I can think of off the top of my head is that it takes away work from voice actors. And also, it kind of seems pointless. Like, okay, let, let's take Frozen, for example. I see why the cast of Frozen was chosen. Oh, that rhymed. I can see that Indina Menzel. I can see that Kristen Bell, that Jonathan Groff. I can see they were chosen because they can sing really well, and then they don't have to hire someone else to do the singing for the soundtrack. Also, Kristen Bell, good at doing voices. I can see why Josh Gad was picked to do Olaf, and I can see why Alan Tudyk was picked to play Duke. Or the, not Duke, but the Duke of Wesselton, not Weaseltown. But a movie like Playmobil, why? Why Megan Trainer? Why Adam Lambert? Why, uh, why Daniel Radcliffe? Okay, I can see Jim Gaffigan. Okay, why Anya Taylor-Joy? I can see why Keenan Thompson would be picked. But it seems pointless, because... Think of some of your favorite, even modern cartoons, and realize that hardly any of them are people that are known outside of the voice acting circle. Let's look at everyone's favorite show, Futurama. Look at that main cast. Billy West, John DiMaggio, Lauren Tom, Maurice LaMarche, uh, Katie Seagal, okay, whatever. She doesn't really do anything different even though I do see her forever as Leela. But Phil Lamar, Christ, Phil Lamar, all of these people do wonderful jobs. And I bet you anything that we could have taken every single one of them, hell, every single one of the cast of The Simpsons, of Family Guy, of uh, Disenchanted, is that that other one from uh, Michael Cohen or whatever that guy's name is, any of these cartoons and just put them in that and it would have been just as good of a movie. 
Okay, but enough about that. Let's talk about Playmobil the movie. And let's talk about the fact that I am actually surprised that this does not look like garbage. It actually looks pretty fun. Did this movie come to be 100% because a company wanted to capitalize off of what the Lego franchise did? Yes, I I would bet you so much money that that was 100% the case, that once Lego made it big in the movies, like outside of video games and outside of their, their regular cartoons, but in the movies with the Lego movie and Lego Ninjago movie and all that stuff, that once this company saw that they could do that, they went, hey, why not us? But the good news is it looks like they have an actually good story and at the very least, at the very least, would be fun for kids. Because we have this story about these, who I believe is a brother and sister, and there's some magical Playmobil piece or something, and the little brother, being the little twerp he has, grabs it while it's glowing, which is always a good idea. If, you, if you're listening, children, grab glowing things, said no one ever. But then they all get sucked into the world of Playmobil, and now she has to go find her brother who's been kidnapped because he is, a, I guess, a barbarian in the Playmobil world, and he is sent to fight in a gladiatorial arena. So she has to get to him before he's killed in this arena. On the way, she meets a colorful cast of characters, and hilarity ensues. So my future friends, this is when I'm honest with myself, and honestly, I am going to see this movie. I will but hopefully it will be on streaming. I hope that one of the major streamers gets this movie and then that way I can watch it, enjoy it, and if I really like it, then own it. But at the very least, what I expect to see is a fun and funny movie that seems like it's safe to take your whole family to. Some of the people behind this movie seem like they know what they're doing. Two of the writers have worked on Disney movies before. The director, uh, actually, he's never directed anything before, but he has worked on Frozen, Tangled, and Bolt. So at the very least, it seems like he knows what he's doing. Oh, that's right. I got distracted talking about how this is fun for the whole family. This is a PG movie, a, a parental guidance suggested movie. So if you're one of those parents that's super strict on that kind of shit, maybe keep that in mind. But if you're, I don't know, maybe not super uptight, then this seems like fun for the whole family. I mean, seriously, look at the kind of f***ed up jokes they get away with on Nickelodeon. <laughs> a PG movie isn't going to be bad for your kid. If you don't have a family, maybe watch this one day. If you do have a family, maybe see it this week. Playmobil the movie gets an 8.5 out of 11. Alright folks, let's wrap this up with the pick of the week, which is the Aeronauts? Pilot Amelia Wren and scientist James Glacier find themselves... That's such a f***ing stupid name. Okay, I'll explain it a bit. <clears throat> find themselves in an epic fight for survival while attempting to make discoveries in a gas balloon. I know that James Glacier... That, that's a real name. That there are people with that last name. I understand that. And if you're one of those people, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call your last name f***ing stupid. But it just sounds so contrived for this type of, uh, th this type of movie. This adventure movie where they're going up in this gas balloon high, high into the sky. So high that frost is appearing. And I, my name is James Glacier. It's just like if you made a movie about firefighters and called someone Ember Blaze. But I digress. This stars Felicity Jones from Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, Eddie Redmayne from The Theory of Everything, Himish Patel from Yesterday, Phoebe Fox from Woman in Black 2, and Tom McInery from Eddie the Eagle. I'm going to be honest, folks. I am not excited for this film. Um, God, maybe Playmobil should have been the pick of the week. But no, you know what? If I went to see a movie this week, if I really went to see a movie this week that had to be a release that I talked about on the show, I, I do think it would be The Aeronauts because I don't think it's going to be bad. Th that's a good cast we have there. Felicity Jones, outstanding. Eddie Redmayne, outstanding. They have worked together before, so we know they have chemistry. Himish Patel, I'm not too familiar with him, but great. He looks good. This looks like a very predictable yet equally enjoyable adventure movie that's very, very loosely based on real events. If you remember me talking about this when the first trailer came out, you may remember that they that the writers from this movie took two separate historical things and combined it into one movie. So we really had two 
balloonists or whatever, uh, balloon pilots, two scientists go up in a balloon to try and learn about the weather. That really happened. Bad shit happened when they went up higher than any person had ever gone before. Heroics were involved and they, and they came back and hey, they were heroes because of it. But that was James Glacier, I think was as a real name of the person, and this other dude. Amelia Wren, played by Felicity Jones, her character is based on an actual woman balloon pilot who was basically ahead of her time because women weren't balloon pirates. Pirates. <laughs> women weren't balloon pirates. <laughs> She's flying up there with cannons and shit. <laughs> women weren't balloon pilots back then. They stayed at home and prepared food for their man. But I, I forgot her name and I'm too lazy to look it up now. But the real pilot Amelia Wren is based off of may have broke boundaries because she was an awesome female pilot. But she really didn't have any one thing that you could have made a movie about going, oh, yeah, this thing she did, this heroic journey is what we're going to make a movie about her. So instead, they took the idea of her and adapted it and put her into this other story, which, okay, I kind of get it. I, I kind of get the fact that, especially in our in our hypersensitive, hyper-aware world we're currently in, that if they had made the movie about the two male pilots, that there would have been backlash going, oh, look, another movie about two white men. So I can see that they wanted to change it for that reason, to make it more inclusive, and because then they can get the badass Felicity Jones to be in it. So they sacrificed being able to call this a true biopic in favor of the inclusiveness, which, okay, whatever. This was never going to be an interesting movie. This is one of those movies that all the people in it do between their other films. That being said, I still think it's the most interesting movie this week. And yes, I do think that that messing with the story to add Felicity Jones, to add a female pilot into this, I think it does make it more interesting. But is it interesting enough to see in theaters? I don't think so. If you do see a movie this week, maybe make it this. But if you don't, I don't think you'll miss out. The Aeronauts gets an 8.5 out of 11. And with that, my future friends, let us take our final break as we hear word from our good, good friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. All right, we are back with the question of the week. And if you do not remember, the question of the week was, you get to recast Charlie's Angels. It could be any three ladies from history. Well, try and make them actresses, please. And tell me if it's a serious movie, a comedy, or somewhere in between. The first answer we get is from Brian Q, who says, Serious movie with some light tongue-in-cheek comedy. Hedy Lamar, Audrey Hepburn, and Sophia Loren. And that would actually be quite badass. it, it go back towards more towards the original Charlie's Angels with that kind of... It was serious, but also campy. But I could see a movie, especially with those three women, being even more on the serious side and then a couple scenes of comedy, but overall being a, a serious film. And I think that'd be a really cool idea. Who knows if the James Dean thing goes, goes really well, we may actually see this film. No one knows. Next up, we get our answer from Anne, who says... Mix of serious and comedy like they like the first movie version starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Linda Hamilton, and Vi Viola Davis. They're ex-angels who have to once again come together to face either an old bad guy or go after some villain who, who maybe kills Charlie. Again, that would be super badass. Jamie Lee Curtis, always a good choice. Linda Hamilton recently proved she could still do it. Viola Davis. If Widows taught us one thing, it's that Viola Davis is not to be f***ed with. So, great answer. And now it's time for my answer. Uh, putting together my list was actually quite hard because Anne and I always have this problem where we try to think of 
like recast a movie and it's so hard for us not to put the same people in the roles and i found that was hard for this too i immediately wanted emily blunt i immediately went to all, like all the same people so i had to think about this for a while and i also had to think about what i wanted because just like Anne and just like just like brian q i wanted something that's a mix Though Brian Q was more serious and was more of a mix, I want to be somewhere in between that even, where it is serious, but a little lighthearted. And so the first person I put in is Zoe Saldana, because I think she can definitely do it. She has proven herself as an action, you know, an action star, not just in the MCU, but she did The Losers. She's in Star Trek, though she didn't have many, you know, big scene, action scenes in that, but, you know, she can do it. Uh, Zheng Ziyi who you know from movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and um, Memoirs of a Geisha. And finally, I am going to keep Kristen Stewart in it, because Kristen Stewart was the only reason I would have considered seeing the newer version of Charlie's Angels. She was the most impressive looking, it looked like she had the best character, and she's just been really impressing me lately with everything I've seen from her. And I would like to give her a second chance at this franchise because I think she can do it. I think she just needs better co-stars and maybe put something together that doesn't look like so much of a mess. All right. Well, that is it for the answers that I got for last week's question or technically two weeks ago's question. Once again, if I missed your answer, do remind me. And if you didn't answer, it's never too late. You can answer anytime. Just remember, if you're answering a question from a while back, at least remind me of what the question was in case I forgot. So it is time for the newest question of the week that actually Anne came up with after she paused uh, for a little bit just yelling at our cats because they're acting all batshit crazy. And she says, what's the first movie you watch to get yourself in the holiday spirit? We've had a lot of questions, uh, questions of the week so far about like Christmas movies and things like that. Like what's your top five and but this one we're, we're wondering what do you start with and if you don't have a general one you start with not like every year it's this tell me what the first one you watched this year or will watch this year will be so to reiterate in case i was confusing which christmas movie do you watch to start off the holiday season but if it's not the same one every year what's your first one from this year well, that is it for episode 158 of Future Flicks with Billiam. So let us jump right into the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as any podcast app. You can also find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. All the stars possible. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, which are also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Support the friends of the shows whose ads you've heard during this episode. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.